Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome to Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek, where we talk geek culture from the perspective of people of color you know marginalized people all the above for all nerds and this is your host dj ben hameen aka the anti-trife equation aka the captain kirk of hip-hop aka to charles y'all the black pander 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 <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Oh my god. That's right. And as you already hear, I am always joined on the spaceship by Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Colleen Wingstop, Deuce Piccolo, Blackness Everdeen, Chance the Parappa, Ivan Yeo, and Maserati Kanata. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that you left one out on intentional right there. <laughs> I, I know why. Too. Oh, you, you know why, huh? You know, for those who haven't read the description of the show, you know, they might not be subscribed to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, all that. You know, they might not be up on what Fanbro Show is doing today. So you left that out. But we're gonna get to that in a minute because we got a lot of things to talk about tonight. Thank you to everybody listening out there, all the new subscribers, all our old friends. We love y'all all. You know, this is Fan Bro Show. We, like I said, for all nerds, unity and inclusion. That's what we about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, geek culture. And, you know, I mean, you already seen the video on the Instagram at Fan Bro Show where I'm bugging out over the new Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. <laughs> the new season is upon us. July 16th on HBO, and they dropped another trailer today. Winter is here. Yes. Yes. So this is the trailer number two for season seven. This is the second to the last season, right? Um, yep. At this point, we're beyond the book. So the stuff that is happening that is not written, correct? Yes, none of this uh, since the last season. The last season went completely off book, and this season, obviously, there's you know completely new territory we're in. Right, and Ooh. like like everyone else, we watched the trailer several times. Did you know some pauses here, rewind there. We broke it down, we analyzed it, we talked about it amongst ourselves, and now we're going to share with you our findings. All right, you ready, Ben? Oh, I damn sure am. You know, I didn't feel like this trailer gave away a lot, which I also love. You know, there's a lot of brief flashes of various characters. Mm -hmm. You know, it definitely showed the advancement of time since the last season. You know, things have gone on. Winter has come. You know, you see snow everywhere. Like, you know, the main theme of it (laughs) is cold. We finally get to see the Night King, you know, again. And, you know, the Winter Walkers, you know, the undead of Game of Thrones, we finally see them again because we hadn't seen them in the earlier trailer, so I was really happy to see that. I right. mean, there was, there was a lot. Like, what was your favorite moment from it? Well, I had a lot of favorite moments. Um, I, I thought it was poignant that the trailer opened with a shot of Sansa walking through the walking through the uh, forest or walking through the winter. And just part of that whole idea, there were two major quotes within this 
uh, trailer. One of the ones, Littlefinger says, one of the other ones she says, and she is mentioning the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Mm. So it's interesting to see that in these shots, she's completely alone. Um, as far as I know, she's completely alone. She's walking through the winter, the snow. Essentially, she's walking through death. And that's indicative of what she is going through, what she's been going through, but will be returning to as well in the new season. The fact that um, she has her surrogate army and the the, the, the forces from the Vale that are um, going to be joining this fight with the Wildlings and Jon Snow's people. Like, I, I thought that was really uh, interesting. Um, I had mentioned the other main line that was said by Baelish Littlefinger, the enemy is real, it's always been real. Now that I really love. So if, if you want to say what I like the best, the dialogue, because it was so many different ways you can interpret it. They were obviously trying to clue you in on things that was happening in the trailer, but also trying to take you back into the psyche of the characters as well. With Littlefinger saying that, and then that was coupled with mad scenes that showed everything that was fantastical things that you would consider fantasy so things like that that ridiculous ridiculous huge Greyjoy Ironborn Armada the the sight of the dragons you see um Bedric uh well how do you pronounce his name Bedric Dondarrion no, Barrett Dondarrion. Sorry, Barrett Dondarrion. I'm, I'm doing one of your moves. You see yes. Barrett Dondarrion wielding that the Lightbringer, that that flaming sword. So yes, 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 yes. Hold on, hold on. You can't just skip over, you know, that because that is a very important moment, like that we're leading up to with Barrett Dondarrion. And everyone who's been following forever knows Barrett is the leader of the Brothers Without Banners. He keeps getting killed, coming back to life. But the Lightbringer, the sword is the flaming sword and it plays a part in the legend of Azor Ahai who has been prophesied throughout the series the lady in red keeps claiming that this person is it this person is it but now a lot of the signs point to our boy Jon Snow right so all of that so I, I wasn't going to skip over that it's just I wanted to mention like so many different <laughs> different points of things that are just considered otherworldly. Yes, this is a fantasy show, but even within the context of the show, a lot of these things are otherworldly. The, the the whole Lord of Light situation, that's considered the other on this show, um, even though everything is the other to the people who are watching it, the viewers. So all that stuff coupled with this dialogue about the enemy is real, has always been real. Who is real? Who really is the enemy? The enemy to whom? And and, and depending on what viewpoint you're looking at, um, it's, he says he personally... Uh, Littlefinger says the enemy is real, but is that true? Is he is he really just a warmonger? Is he just wanting to stir this fact that he wants to keep this this chaos going? Because at the end of the day, what what does everybody want? They want the Iron Throne. So I really really enjoyed those little bits of dialogue, just coupled with those scenes and the way that everything was stitched together, because it really painted a beautiful story and the story to come. Really. Okay. Well, two things on that. Like, one, in the earlier trailer, you had to call back to an earlier season when Daenerys is talking about that this family is on the wheel, this family is on the wheel, and the wheel keeps turning. And I mean to crush the wheel. Right. You know, that everyone just wants to be at the top of the wheel. And I mean to crush the wheel. So that's something else that we're looking forward to in the season is Daenerys just going to keep on going on with her same old thing. Now, the other thing about Littlefinger talking about the enemy is real, it also, you know, harkens back to what Jon Snow has said before and others have said that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, who is on top of the wheel because the enemy from the north is coming, winter is coming, winter is here now, so the enemy is real. 
And that's right. the real problem that everyone has to deal with. Otherwise, they're dead. Like the, the know, Night King. Yeah, the Night King don't care about who's on the throne. The Night King don't want to sit on no throne. The Night King wants everyone done. Right. So yeah. it's so it's interesting because that that adds another layer to exactly Ben. Who really is Baelish talking about? Like, is mm-hmm. he talk? Is he talking about the the, the if if you want to call it infighting about uh, of these these different houses, or is he really talking about the the, the true death? <laughs> to use a true blood reference, is he talking about the true death of the Night King and all of that? Mm. And then another thing about enemies is Euron Greyjoy, who showed up last season. You know, he's the uncle to Theon Greyjoy, otherwise known as Reek, otherwise is known as most hated right now. <laughs> I mean, well, no, actually, otherwise I think known he, as dummy. Yeah, definitely played himself more than once. But you know, he says the actor playing him, Hilu Asbake, I think I might have got close to that. Says that he will be the absolute worst. That he is going to make Ramsay Bolton look like a child. No way. Ramsey was really fucked up. The absolute worst. Everybody who listens for a long time knows how much I can't stand that scumbag. And I love me some Joffrey and some Cersei, who we saw in the trailer. Of course, mm-hmm. shouts to her. Gotta always give a you know, shout out. Cersei is like too gangster not to like. It's yes. just she always making boss moves. Like even yes. if you, yes, she's treacherous. Yes, she's yes. questionable because of the incest and all that stuff. Yes. But she is boss status. I mean, she's she's doing that dumb. <laughs> I was every time I think of her, I actually now keep thinking of Nicki Minaj doing that prog <laughs> meme. <laughs> <laughs> you bitches can't even spell prog. Like, that's how Cersei is. You know, you bitches can't even spell King's Landing. Like, that's how I feel. Like, she don't care. She, she well, even if it sounds stupid, she does not care. She she believes with her entire being that she is going to win. Mm-hmm. Regardless I mean, of what stands in her way. And that's what she had said in, what, trailer number one. Like, or, or and even before that, she had said that with Jamie in a few conversations. Um, her brother lover just... You know, we, we, we're going to destroy everything in our path. It doesn't matter. Mm. And now you were just speaking on something right there, the brother lovers, you know, the incest and all that, you know, <laughs> and all the craziness that goes on with Game of Thrones. And, you know, once again, we got to go back. You know, we got the Black Panther trailer dropping last week. We still hype as hell. Everybody's feeling the joy. But, you know, there's always this craziness going on. People always just want to come out their face and say something and try and steal, you know, you know, people of color's joy. You know, like (laughs) marginalized people who already got enough problems in the world. Like we don't have enough problems in the world people want to steal joy and people want to say oh you know why are you always pushing for more inclusion you know oh why are you you know always got these characters who are pandering to the audience you know and oh why are you always pushing my their sexuality on sexuality on me and i'm like nobody talks about you know uh cersei and jamie having like we've said this before mm-hmm. in an episode having sex next to their dead son's corpse no one's talking about that type of sexuality being pushed on them. Yeah, Eric Haywood said that. Yes, Eric Haywood, you know, shouts to him, said that. And, like, no one has ever mentioned that. You know, that's not brought up. But, you know, if you see a gay or a lesbian couple kissing, you know, on the You're, the you're pushing your sexuality ever. on me. Like, I don't I hate when people do that. I mean, it just it's such a double standard. And it's like, because we get a little bit here and there, you know, people think that we've got somewhere. It's like... I got to give a quick story. There's an old issue of Static. You know, everybody knows Static Shock, the com- I mean, the TV show. But there was a comic book before it. And we talked about this before. In one issue, him and his girlfriend decide to have sex. And it's never shown in the issue. 
You know, there's no sex shown. The issue ends with him getting over to the girlfriend's house. The whole issue is about him and the girlfriend's like lead up to it because they're both worried. You know, they're young and in love, but you know, they're just thinking about everything. You know, he gets a condom, et cetera. He has a talk with his dad, all that. It's a great issue. And the issue is shipped in a bag with the cover hidden because it showed them laying in bed kissing. Wow. A black man or a black child, you know, not child, like a black, a black young man He's and a, a black teenager. young woman. Teenagers, you know, kissing. And so it was shown with, you know, you couldn't even buy it. It was shown, sold in a bag. Like so they censored playboy it. Shit. They censored it like some playboy nude woman or something. Because it was too black. And, 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 and that speak, is speaking to what you're saying. Not only are they, you know, I don't know what year this was, but not only were the two kids kissing, so may, maybe it was more strict about what kids, quote unquote, saw, but it was really too black. Oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is in the middle, late 90s. And so this is at a time when comic books have women bent over, wearing thongs, wearing oh, okay. less. You know, Rob LaField, Todd McFarlane, shout out to all them, you know, and all their clones who were just drawing women in all kinds so, of gratuitous everything. Yeah, so it wasn't a censorship situation. It was the fact that there were two black teens who were showing yes. who were showing love. affection and love and appreciation and all the other stuff. And it's and, and showing their sexuality. Oh, that was the at least in the words. But that was enough to say, oh, wrap it up. Like, really? Yes. You know, and, and so people want to talk about, you know, why are we always complaining? You know, well, that's not happening now. That was like, you know, 20 years ago. But it doesn't matter. Worse is happening now in real life everywhere. And it's just like I don't have time to even argue with y'all anymore because when people are happy about something, you want to take their joy away. And I understand there's a lot of people out there who do this for their clicks so they can get hits. You know, they do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. If everybody's happy, you make a video where you mad. You know, and it gets you to hit for those people who are mad. And I understand you doing that. But, you know, like, for real, the only people who are doing that are the people who were, you know, like, who have other views that aren't really going to put you anywhere you want to be. Right. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? Just stop trying to take away people's joy when they're happy. You know, like, I love Game of Thrones. I can't wait for this new season. I'm, like I said, I'm not worried about Jamie and Cersei, you know, having sex and me being like, oh, yeah, now I got to go have sex with my sister. You know, like, <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen, kid. So, like, for real, like, come right. on. So, so to bring it back full circle. Yes. The whole idea when you said people pushing sexuality or race and all that, that stuff, no one's pushing anything. It's the fact oh. that these stories need to be told and yes. it matters. It just like there's, I, we'll talk about it later in the episode, but just like, like race does matter or, or, or culture does matter. The, mm -hmm. your sexuality does matter in a lot of these characters, particularly these characters where the default is always white. Always white male, or, or 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 cis, or yes. whatever the the case is. The default is that, and then when it comes to being able to show the other aspects of life, there is a spectrum of life out there. The minute you get a little bit, someone wants to take that away from you. Right. You can't even sell the damn comic in a store right. you know, and, without having a bag on it. Right. And and, and what really pains me, bothers me, hurts me the most is that. People, the people who are, are basically against this type of progression, they, to them, it's like, oh my God, you guys are taking over. Oh my gosh, you know, all the black people showing up. Oh my God, all the, all the uh, 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 Asian people are showing up. You do realize when you, and they're looking at it in some 
imaginary bubble. It's not the real world bubble that we are really living in because when you put together everything, every stride we've ever made, it does not equate to that big lead that the default has. And it's it doesn't. Minuscule is the word. Like tiny. It's like and we're and that's microcosmic I mean, even. And that's why we're fighting because it's not. And I said it before and in a previous episode. No, it's not enough. Never will be. It's, nah, until until reality, you know, until fiction looks like reality. Like, come on now. Like, well, especially media, mass media. Like, I'm not trying to impose anything on any one person writing or creating anything. That's your business. What you create is your business. How we talk about it is our business. But, you know, until stuff looks right, come on now. No. We got to open the doors, y'all. And for the people who ain't with it, I'm not with you. Sorry. Not sorry. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. You know, thank you to everybody who we love out there. Like we say, though, this is Fanbro's show for all nerds. F A N. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Hit us on YouTube, Loudspeakers Network at Fanbro's Show. And with that, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What's going on, Justin Simeon, creative dear white people? Here's the deal. Every day in the car, I'm listening to fan bros, okay? That's what that's what gets me to work. When I'm not directing, when I'm not uh, reading trolls comments online, I'm listening to fan bros. You should too. Welcome back, fam bros. You know we have the best in geek culture for you. And today is just another special day in the world of fam bros. You know that recently we beamed up Brian Fuller and Orlando Jones to the spaceship and we had a dope time. And you know the dopeness gets even better because we have the goddess of love herself, Bill Quist, better known as Yeti Devadaki. What's up, Yeti Day? How you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, so happy you're here. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. I'm so happy I can hardly speak. That's how excited I am. Well, we'll we'll, we'll calm it down, you know, and get you acquainted with everybody (laughs) in the spaceship. So, you know, you'll be fine. You know, we have to talk about this right away. You know, we met at the presser for American Gods. Mm -hmm. Like, that was before we'd even seen most of the season. But you told us that you've been a geek or a fan bro for life. And your first yeah. crush was Captain Picard. Yes, there's actually two of them. It was Captain Picard and Data. Um, which... Oh. <laughs> yes. And then Brian surprised me at the premiere. He comes over and says, yeah, come, "Come over here with me." And of course, standing there is Brent Spiner himself. Wow. <laughs> wow. And talk about. I did. I couldn't speak. I was just, I was just falling all over myself. And thankfully, Brian goes, "Well, do you want a picture? Should I just take a picture of you too?" <laughs> <laughs> That's and, so dope. Yeah, it was amazing. So yeah, no, I've been, uh, I've been a geek for pretty much all my life. 
I'm really happy. I think I had said it at the presser that how pleased I am that you're a Trekkie. Um, and that that was like the first thing you mentioned because I'm like the resident Trekkie here. Like we both love Star Wars and Star Trek, but Ben's the Star mm-hmm. Wars guy. I'm the Star Trek girl. And when you said that Captain Picard, I was surprised. I was like, cause my first was like Commander Riker. And I feel like everybody loves Commander Riker. <laughs> Commander Riker. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, I very much enjoyed him. I thought Riker was great. I especially love that compilation that you can find online of Riker sitting, you know, where oh, yeah. he swings his over the top of the chair. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things ever. Um, but I, I don't know. Just Picard did it for me. It was all those passionate speeches and, you know, when, when, when he would get all indignant about uh, where the... <laughs> human race had been and where it was going i just it did it for me what can i say and uh and then data he was just so adorable i mean you know it was always interesting seeing him uh trying to go through the human experience i always thought that was really fascinating um and so yeah i just i thought data was the the cutest thing ever i was a little jealous of tasha yard when she was dating him that's all But no, I'm a geek for it all, though, because I know most people say Star Trek or Star Wars. I love them both. Yeah, I love them both intensely, you know. So have you always been this upfront with your geekiness or is this something that you grew into? Ah, that's interesting. Um, I think. uh, No, you know what? My friends would say I've always been pretty upfront about being a geek. Um, I, I would think that, you know, maybe I try to, you know, hold back and, and pretend I was cool, but I was never cool. So let's be real. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, embracing it definitely took a long time. Like, I guess before I would spend more time feeling a little more embarrassed maybe, or a little more, um, or, or um, not just fully celebrating it the way it should be. Um, and so, yeah, over time, uh, part of the cool thing about geekiness is just it's also, I think, accepting your voice, your, your weird, your whichever. Um, and I think that's something that took time to grow into a little bit more. Now, that is interesting because that draws a lot of parallels for me, particularly in the character that you play. Um, Number one, you are a black woman just in real life, but then also playing a God that is in the image of a black woman. And then she is the goddess of love and she uses um, sex as, um, you know, a lot of people want to say weapon, but she kind of just uses it that that's her aura. That's her power as well. And, um, Lots of times, women in general, but but particularly black women, it's a situation or it's an issue when we want to show that side of us or when we want to be able to display um, the different facets of our personalities and the different facets of, of black womanhood. So do you, th- do, do you think about that stuff like as you, I know you're thinking about it, but like, what do you think about um, that when, when you're doing like this role and kind of going into it? Yeah, going into it, um... I definitely could, uh, I, I, I definitely um, had a lot of hope. Um, there was some trepidation. There was also a deep joy of 
the possibility of getting to explore this as a woman of color. Um, I've said for a while, and many before me have said the same thing, that representation is so important. Um, and in that, it doesn't always mean just showing one side or showing um, um, any specific idealized version, but seeing the human experience reflected back in all aspects. Right. Um, to see three-dimensional beings, some that are flawed, so, some that are um, vulnerable, some that are powerful, some that are all of these things at the same time. And that's particularly why I enjoyed the idea of playing with Bilquis. I had never seen that kind of representation before. I had never seen a role in which a black woman was allowed to be all of those things. Um, and it was, um, try not to get all intense and emotional about it. But for me, it was a huge moment that, yes, we can be allowed to celebrate all parts of, of ourselves. Um, and that I was going to be allowed a chance to represent that. Um, what can I say? I'm a, I'm a big fan of Bill Quist. And it's mm -hmm. been incredible hearing from women and from women of color. Um, even just sometimes they just send a heart or, you know, or raised hands. But just just reaching out and saying thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing this part as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had I just had just mentioned it. The fact that Bill Quist's um, tech boy at, in the in the show, he had said, oh, you're using sex as a weapon. Um, and like he said, like he thinks that you can point it like a gun. Um, but particularly like from Ben, Ben had noted, like you're not killing your followers. So is Bill Quist really a gun or is she something deeper? I think it's interesting if you've seen her reaction when she hears Tech Boy say that. Um, and I, I think he was specifically referring to wanting to use it as such, um, subverting this gift that Bilquis offers. I, I think Bilquis does literally come from a place of love. It's um, That's why she's called the love goddess. And she is offering something in return to these worshipers. It's not a one-sided deal. And um, like Brian says, of the, the vagina nebula, you know, they're living in eternal ecstasy. Uh, it's not such a horrible thing. And even when Bilquis is faced with powers that would want to take her crown, she's still offering them this gift. And so she, in that moment when she hears Technical Boy wanting to call in a favor and wanting to use her gift as such, you can see, you can see how that is against everything that she stands for. Um, I don't believe that Bilquis ever intended to use it specifically as a gun. It always came from a place 
of of love. Mm. So you said that Brian refers it to as the vagina nebula, but what name <laughs> would you give the dimension that they're sent to? Well, after you hear that, is there really any other option? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just that kind of sticks with you. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, I will always refer to that now as the vagina nebula. <laughs> All right. Now, you were speaking about that you've already read the book and you've done uh-huh. your research for the role before you went into it. But like how right. what and what does Bilquis mean to you? Because in various terms, she's been described as the Queen of Sheba, as the goddess of mm-hmm. love. She goes mm-hmm. back to Ethiopian and biblical, you know, references. So what does she mean to you? For me, it had always been that Queen of Sheba. And one of the original myths, because we know there are many that surround her. But one of the original ones that you just mentioned was as this queen from uh, Ethiopia. And I really always enjoyed growing up the idea of this queen that... Um, oh, I, I probably should share in, in the e- Ethiopian uh, history. The idea is that uh, the queen had a son with Solomon, and that mm-hmm. started the uh, royal line. And I'd always enjoyed that idea. I, I think partially because it was one of the first times I had come across the idea of of an ancient queen of color. Um, so that always resonated with me, uh, but I did enjoy finding all the different, uh, iterations of her. Um, and I did enjoy the fact that she showed up in, in so many different histories, but was still this mysterious figure. Um, and I loved the fact that she was always represented as someone that was very powerful very uh, had had a lot of wealth so didn't need anyone else's and that was very intelligent um as shown by the way that she quizzed solomon himself right um but as going back to the original question yeah i always did see her of as as this uh embodiment of love and there's another line in the last episode that really got to me with that Mr. Nancy was saying, our girl has forgotten that she was a queen. Mm-hmm. And it's like so much of Bilquis' story can be applied to any oppressed person and, you know, especially right. African-Americans and African-American right. women. But she's also right. a god. So, like, mm-hmm. how do you manage that dichotomy? Well, that's the interesting thing about this show. We call it American Gods. But I think it delves really deeply into the human experience. And I always say, we can't forget that these gods are constructs of humanity. Human beings created them. So they're the most distilled form of humanity. Um, So, of course, they can then have the ups and downs, especially when they depends so much on worship and attention. Um, And I actually think it's really fun to play with the idea of someone so powerful also being so vulnerable. I I think that's something that resonates for all of us because I think we all have the ability um, to be both, 
to embrace both. And it's only over time that I've started to feel the more that I embrace my vulnerability, the more powerful I feel um, because I'm able to face that. I'm able to, to accept it as a part of myself. And so, yes, it's two sides of the coin, but it's still the same coin, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, there's something else about like the whole introduction with Bilquis that I just really loved because it's like Mr. Nancy is telling this story and it's your senior introduction because we didn't really get a lot of you in the first season. But then the scenes oh. where we get you, we, there's so much going on in it because you have this whole tale of like womanhood just being and the power being stripped away from it. And the uh, Iranian revolution and everything else that went on in that scene. So, like, how did it feel to you just, you know, putting that out into the universe, basically? Oh, my goodness. I felt incredibly honored um, mm. to be a part of sharing that story. The story, really, of the oppressed. Um, and what I especially loved about it, though, is, yes, it can seem like something um, to be sad about, but it was actually, for me, very empowering because it was that reminder that we come from kings and queens, that mm -hmm. we are um, a powerful um, beings. And that reminder to me is everything. Um, because as we're sitting there watching Quiz, and we're watching her journey and we're like, oh my goodness, that's so unfortunate. We're then, at, at least I, I feel as a viewer that I go, wait a minute, but you're a goddess, you're a queen. Why, why are you allowing this? Um, and in doing that as a viewer, I feel that that reminds me that yes, I also have this, this power that I also mm -hmm. am dependent from kings and queens and I don't have to accept the status quo. I can take that reminder. Mm. You know, in the in the show, the status quo is typically the old gods versus the new gods. But we see that in the last episode, which is which is kind of playing a trick on us, is that uh, you know Bill Chris seems to be on the new god side, or at least for now, seems to be on their side. So, what do you what do you believe Bill Chris's role will be in that war to come? Ah, that's, that's interesting. Um, whenever uh, that question is broached, I always point out that for the old gods, time is a different experience. I mean, mm. we just saw her go through how many different centuries um, and not even thinking of the eons that she may have existed before that. So if you have lived pretty much forever, mm -hmm. 24 hours does not mean much. A couple of months doesn't mean much. You're playing a whole other chess game. Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like Ian, uh, Ian says this all the time with this show, nothing is ever as it seems. And these old gods are old gods for a reason. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was interesting how, you know, it seemed that Odin was, or Wednesday was going after you you know, because Nancy says we need a queen, but then it seems that he was actually going after Easter while you're being pursued by Technology Boy. I just thought that was a 
Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what a twist. Yeah, twist. Yeah, I love it. And can we for, just stop for a moment and do a, a round of applause for Orlando Jones as Mr. Nancy? Yeah. Oh. oh, incredible. I I keep on saying it and, you know, I, I tell Orlando I'm not going to stop. I keep on saying hashtag <laughs> because uh, what mm. he has been doing and what he continues to do is is a thing of beauty. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Besides maybe yourself, is he your favorite God on the show? Well, I have a lot of favorites. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy a lot of the gods, but whenever people ask me who I would switch with, oh no, they say, who would you play? And I say, I will only play another god if he switched with me. And that would be Nancy, just to see Orlando Jones play Bill Clis. I mean, I know we all oh. want to see that. Oh, you know he'd do it so well, too. <laughs> I don't know if he would do it very serious or he would do it campy, but he'd do it. <laughs> That yeah, introduction yeah. scene would definitely go way different. <laughs> yeah. Different. I'm thinking like but, Mad TV version of Orlando. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but that's just a selfish, selfish thing that I just want to see him play vocals uh, for my own happiness. Um, but as far as, you know, him telling the story at the beginning and you think he, um, you're going after one queen and um, and, and then you see another, it's, I, I mean, it's pretty much the, the theme of that episode is, yeah, get yourself a queen. And the new gods recognize that too, that they also needed a queen. Um, I think we all recognize that. I don't know, in everyday life, uh, get yourself a queen. <laughs> yeah, for real. Get yourself a queen. You should have had that on the shirt <laughs> instead of man eater. <laughs> <laughs> but it hadn't, you know, it hadn't aired yet, and people would say, "What?" Ah, what is that? <laughs> true, 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 indeed, true, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was trying not to give any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well, and speaking of that, like, how did the reactions to the character? How did that drive your performance, and just like how you're approaching the next season and everything? Right. Um. Well, I mean, we had already shot the whole first season um, mm -hmm. right. by the time even the first episode aired. Right. So we, it, there had actually been months since we finished the last episode. Um, but as far as how it's going to affect the next season, I was reading an article today where Brian Fuller was talking about how every time we all come together, um, Emily and I are always saying, when are we going to get a scene together? When are we going to get a scene? Um, and so in that article, Brian was like, yeah, I guess we're going to have to explore some Bilquis and Laura. And it's pretty much been the same across the board with, with all the different uh, actors, because we actually, we all really love each other. Um, and so I think going forward, we're going to be seeing a lot more interactions uh, with the, the court group. Because if you notice, in, the, in this first season, Bilk was, was doing pretty much a solo journey. <laughs> um, but going forward in season two, mm -hmm. um, and also with all the things that uh, the fans are saying as well, um, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of the different interactions with different gods. 
Uh, I'm trying to say without spoiling too much. <laughs> I think you handled that. Yeah, you did very well. Don't worry about it. We won't um, tell them. You can tell us. <laughs> and nobody will ever, like, nobody will know. Oh, wait, are we not <laughs> recording? I did it. Um, but, but yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff coming along and, and we're all really excited about it. All right. And I'm glad that you had mentioned the rest of the cast because, I mean, we do see you guys on social media, whether it's, you know, you're doing um, just press interviews and things like that. You guys are very familial and it's so cool to see that you guys like really seem to enjoy each other's company. So that makes me wonder, like, particularly now that I've seen some behind the scenes shots and and you guys are like just all over the place. But it's really fun. So what are like some of the distinct memories you had while filming the first season? Oh, my goodness. Uh, one of my favorite moments was my birthday. Um, oh, yeah. That, yeah, it was. And I wasn't going to do anything. Um, I said, you know, I'll probably put on some Mystery Science 3000 and watch in my PJs and, you know, eat cereal or something. Um, you know, as you do on birthdays. <laughs> and they all said, no, 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 you have to do something. We have to do something. Um, so we ended up going to, uh, we all ended up going out that night. And that was the first time I really got to talk to Emily because we not really spent much time on set together. And uh, Ricky and Bruce and um, all <laughs> And we just geeked out. We had such a good time together. That's also where I figured out that they are some amazing dancers. This cast can dance. I'm telling you. (laughs) And I'm I'm not talking just, you know, like kind of shuffle from side to side. No, you see Emily and Pablo get down. They're like, uh, yeah, they're not playing. (laughs) Also, Sweeney's not out there there doing an electric slide or anything, is he? (laughs) Oh, no, Pablo, are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. He's got some moves. Um, But we just, we had such a great time that night. And we were just being goofballs and, Mm. um, you know, trying to pile into photo booths together and um, dancing the night away. And just, uh, yeah, this is pretty much how we feel as, like, a family. I mean, just yesterday I saw Emily because... We'd all been sending like this text chain back and forth going, when are we going to see each other again? We miss all of you. (laughs) Sending each other. They send such the best gifts. You understand that I have this weird thing about gifts. They crack me up. I don't know why, but I just love a good gift. Um, I have a weakness. And so the last chain that they were all sending of these gifts, I was alone in the living room laughing so hard I was crying I literally had tears going down my face and I was like if anybody was to actually see me at this point they would think I was crazy um but yeah I mean these are some of the kindest souls the most intelligent people and incredibly creative it feels like theater camp (laughs) every Mm. single time we get to hang out together that is awesome um, also on that, like you said that you're, I mean, we know you're a geek and we know that you're into tech and everything else. So aren't you a gamer? Ah, see, that's the one thing I'm still trying to learn. 
Now, I did, however, I was in that last Call of Duty, Infinite Warfare. Mm. Um, yeah, you did voice acting, right? Yeah, and they actually had a, speaking of um, theater geeks, we actually had uh, capture, uh, video capture. So it was just us in a taped-up room with cameras 360, um, some little props and you pretty much enacted the whole scene and the technology. Oh my goodness. The technology. I was absolutely geeking out because when you look through certain cameras, you could see the ship as, oh, uh, and you could oh, see, wow. yeah, it, it was, you could, so you could see, um, you know, where the deck was and where, you know, the, there was the computers on the right and the, um, the window on the left. It was it was incredible, and that's the closest thing I've ever experienced to being that little kid uh, playing hot lava. Because that's literally what we had to do. We're you know we're enacting the scene there. They're capturing all of it, and uh, we're just pretending that we're seeing. You know, we got to do some of that uh, Star Trek ship acting. You know, like oh we're crashing. Oh you know, and we're just. Uh, pretending like we're falling around the deck and uh it was pretty funny to watch <laughs> in real time but they made it look amazing uh absolutely amazing in the game so that's my experience with gaming with so with, with so video games, video games. Mm-hmm. i know you said that you're still trying to figure out trying. how that works or what you'd be interested in but have you seen anything that you're like oh that looks intriguing like i don't know maybe call of duty was one of them have you seen anything like you're like oh i want to try that out oh my well the the storytelling now is just incredible um there's actually they have another call of duty coming out which tucker jonathan tucker is going to be in um so i'm definitely going to check that out and um i have what's the I hear a lot, and you all can tell me. I hear a lot about Assassin's Creed. What it, What is your experience with that? Assassin's Creed. Okay, Assassin's Creed is good. Ben, you play Assassin's Creed, right? A little bit, but not too much. I know it's like a first person thing. I really want to check out the new one though because they were talking about they get into Egyptian history and everything in the new one, and that's like the first time they did that because it's always a lot of good history into it if you're into history. But right. yeah, this is the first one that I've like, you know, wanted to check because it's usually, you know, European history, et cetera, et cetera. I know they had one with Native Americans, though, but I missed that one as well. Really? Really? Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, I mean, what would your recommendations be if, you know, as me as a as a as a relative newcomer, mm-hmm. what would you recommend to try out? Um, are you into like Nintendo, like Mario, Super Mario and all that stuff? I could be. Okay, because Zelda. Zelda, yes, because <laughs> yeah. I would I would tell you to pick up a Nintendo Switch and buy right. the newest Zelda game, Breath of the Wild. All right, I'll check that out then. Did you um get to uh, check out the Black Panther teaser trailer? Yes. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> <laughs> How was my reaction? <laughs> I had so stop. I had goosebumps. I mean, let me tell you, I, I think there's one part where you see a whole bunch of warriors just kind of salute or, you know, or get into position. That did everything for me. It was, I haven't even seen the movie yet. 
I did see um, what was that thing that was uh, circulating uh, where they they were talking about Black Twitter getting ready for for the movie. Um, have you seen that yet? It's All like the different gifts sh- and stuff. Yeah, 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 it's, it's yeah. <laughs> much, yeah. It's pretty much me. Pretty much me. <laughs> I am going to be lining up the night before or the week before. Um, I am ready. I will sleep at the box office if I need to. Uh, I am here. I am here for it. I cannot wait. <laughs> I can't believe they're making us wait that long. I know. Well, we've been sitting here thinking about this for like yeah. two years, right? <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> so it's even worse. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Right. Did, did- did you have a background with Black Panther before like all of this stuff happened recently? Like, and by recently, I mean the last couple of years. So with the new books and all that stuff. No, I did not have much of a history with it. Um, it was, ooh, I would say only in the past, uh, like past five years or so um, that <laughs> I say not much of a history. You can tell time is different for me now. Um, but, (laughs) but I remember in, um, in that, um, why am I blanking on the movie? The last movie where he showed up, um, civil war, civil war. Yes. I remember he showed up and I was, I was in that theater. I was already celebrating. Um, I, (laughs) um, I love that they were in a cafe in Lagos, um, I, I, you know, I had a very, I mean, talk about representation, Lagos being the capital of Nigeria or, but I know in this world it's Wakanda, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very much like Lagos. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just, I mean, talk about representation, just seeing this, uh, we've watched, or at least I've watched all these superheroes for a long time. I think at this point I can assume we've watched all these superheroes for a long time. <laughs> yep. um, and to see even a little bit of that representation was exciting. And now knowing that we get to experience this whole world of it, it's about time. It's about time. So what are your thoughts about the new Star Trek series? Because I know you're a huge fan and it's got Sonequa Green as the lead and Michelle mm-hmm. Yeoh, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, <laughs> and Michelle you know, Yeoh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and so do you feel like there's a shift or is it still this uphill battle that we're fighting in terms of getting more women in these roles? I, I think there's still a bit of a battle in that. Did, did you all see how much even Gal Gadot got paid for Wonder Woman? Yeah, yeah. it was like what 300 or 400,000 versus when Henry Cavill Cavill got it he got what 14 million I don't even know what he got but 300,000 with that movie just right it's incredible incredible um how how is that how is that I'm hoping that she's getting paid a whole lot more now and I hope there was some kind of back-end deal and um you know percentage on merchandise and all of that but that was that was surprising me here that in this day and age I'm in a movie that I thought was so well done um, that that's how much she was getting paid. So it, this was an example of even finally getting that 
female character um getting that representation and uh, the paycheck is saying is saying something i think very different from um what we're experiencing when we're watching it uh so i i mean i think people are aware now i think mm-hmm. like that um and and people's reaction to the black panther trailer have are showing that people want and have wanted um people of color uh, more in lead roles women in more lead roles women of color in more lead roles <laughs> um the the general public and i have to be so thankful to the public is starting to say and and say very loudly we want to see our world reflected back at us the world that we see when we walk out the door um and, and so there is some change happening and you do have wonderful people that are being receptive but there's still a long way to go so now i think is the time that we get into the area the arena of yes and so you see the one representation and it's great and we're happy so we say yes or we say and okay how can we build on this and do even better every single time mm. i love i love that you say that too because you have like a lot of people are pushing back against you know the idea of representation and what you just said is so powerful cuz it's not that people want to see anything more than the world outside their door when they walk outside but people mm-hmm. want to even push back against what we've already you know the little bit that we have now people push back against it so how do you deal with those type of basically haters well <laughs> i think <laughs> <laughs> it's an age old quote right uh, i believe the quote is haters going to hate <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but i i think i mean in all seriousness though um very early on someone once told me um what somebody else thinks of you is none of your business you mm. keep on doing what you're going to do you know what you see ahead you know how you want to be of service those are the things that are important people there are always going to be people who want to push back there are always going to be people who are afraid of different who are afraid of change um they have existed through the 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 eons but they are not the ones that move this world forward it is the people that are willing um to look above and beyond that create change and continue to help us evolve as as human beings. So I guess my answer is haters are going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. That's very to the point. <laughs> oh, bless. but you know, we've been lucky because again, I say the general public, you know, people keep on forgetting how much power they have. This is a theme across the board. Uh, you know, one of the greatest tools of the oppressor is making someone 
feel helpless and saying that they're not, that they can't do anything and they can't be a part of change. However, we have seen how when everyone brings their voices together, things shift. I mean, we've seen outcry on the social media uh, outlets and we see we see change occur. And that is because of the power that exists within each and every individual. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I think it's more important now than ever for people to remember how powerful they are and not to give in to the idea of helplessness. Absolutely. <laughs> Gotta give you a big round of applause on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, I am excited to, to see I mean, there are these there's some shifts happening that we can see on TV and we can see in film and I'm, I'm excited for that. Yes. And okay. So, so what's next? Absolutely. 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 You should be professor Badaki for real, <laughs> because <laughs> you and Orlando could just have the Sunday classes for us and teach us, you know, especially, especially because like today, uh, in fact, today your Lenny letter came out. Um, uh, you were writing about what it means to be ladylike. Mm. So what's, so everything we're talking about now is that what sparked that missive? Mm. It was, I literally woke up that morning and like I said in the letter, I felt guilt. I felt mm. um, such pain and it was such a recognition of, I had to for myself accept responsibility. Where did it? Mm. Now, here's the thing. This goes back to what I was saying about the power in vulnerability because it makes you face things and that creates change. So the fact that I then was able to say, okay, this was my part in, in, in this. My part was being silent. Then because I know what my part is, I can change my mm-hmm. part. So if it was that, my part in this was my silence, then simple. I needed to find my voice. And that's one of the ways to not feel helpless and not to feel like the power is in somebody else's hands. And yes, what sparked it was was recognizing that that myself as an individual, um, I had a part in this huge jigsaw puzzle and I just had never really examined before the ways that silence are you is used sorry to continue the oppression because when something is swept under the rug when something is not talked about then it can continue uh, silence breathes this kinds, these kinds of transgression. It's the perfect ground for it. But once people start talking, uh, once people start talking to each other and comparing notes, oh wait, this is your experience with it? This is my experience with it. Oh wait, none of us like this. <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> we're all working now towards change. Like, wait a minute, we are in the majority. We agree that this is not right. And then we all start working together and realizing the power that we have as a group to enact that change. I, um, I don't know if y'all are watching Handmaiden's Tale. 
No, I didn't want to because no. I couldn't get into the. I knew the subject matter, and I just oh, mm. it was a little much. Yeah. Oh, but everyone says it's something you absolutely have to watch. Oh, I I had anxiety, literal physical anxiety, because it is too close. It mm. is way too close to our present day reality. But I bring it up as an example in that, uh, and not to spoiler too much for anyone, but they literally had people fearing each other and thinking that whoever they're paired with may be spying on them. So this fear then created this separation. And it comes back to the age-old story of divide and conquer. People are easier to conquer when they're divided. And one way to keep people divided is, again, through that silence. But when people start talking, people start realizing their commonalities. And when people realize their commonalities, they come together. And uh, for any oppressive force, that's a scary thing. Wow. Like Tatiana said, you really could just keep your covert. You know, yeah, I want to say that you survived the interview segment of Fanbro Show, but you know, like pretty much everybody from American Gods, y'all are just three for three right now, coming on here and destroying the show. So you know, you can go back and tell the rest of them that you held tradition up, but it's now time. You guys still have the belt. You still guys, you guys still have the championship belt. Yes, you do. They'll be happy to hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. With no problems you know at all. The interview and they go, okay, we, we want to know you, T-Day. Did you hold up? Did you hold up? <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely didn't crack under the pressure. But it's now time for the rap segment, our rapid fire questions. And we have okay. Bilquis, the goddess of love. Are you ready? I, yes, I am. Let's do this. Luke Cage or Black Panther? It's got to be Luke Cage. I love Mike. We worked together before. I can't say anything mm. else. However, okay. I'm going to be lining up to watch that <laughs> <laughs> But I love you, Mike. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, Superman or Batman? Oh. Um, if we're talking Christian Bale, Batman, then it's Batman. The Falcon or War Machine? Falcon. Oh, that was quick. Oh, quick. <laughs> <laughs> she's like not with it not Don <laughs> Cheadle not Terrence Howard <laughs> no, 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 no 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 but the reason I gotta say Falcon but anyways okay no 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 I'm, I'll, I know it's rapid segment so I'm not supposed to no say go, ahead. go ahead because for most of these um, it would be a both <laughs> however <laughs> however um, really what it should for me is both Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard but that goes back to the whole divisive thing and all of that so right. that's why I went with Falcon okay, okay. okay. always trying all to right. bring the peace I love it <laughs> alright The Wire or Breaking Bad oh you know I gotta go with The Wire uh, mm. Pablo Schreiber yep and, ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. But it was also an incredible uh, show, and I love Bugs, so. 
You know, when you said Pablo can dance, I believe it, especially because of the wire. Like, I'm sure he can break dance. Yeah. You know, he got some little old school pop and lock, I bet. Oh, he can uh, move. It, it's, it's a thing. You've got to check it out. Somehow we got to get him dancing somewhere because <laughs> you will not even believe your eyes. And he's so the man tall. Can dance. <laughs> so him yeah. doing all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> So well coordinated. It is so, oh, him and Tatiana Maslani, they were doing a bit of a dancing at the, the dance circle at Comic Con. Oh, and I'm this is the new dance crew. They're incredible. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, uh, Magneto or Professor X? Oh, you know it's got to be Professor X. My first crush being Picard. Mm, oh yeah, right. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this may this this might be an easier one for you. Wakanda or Zamunda? <laughs> it's gonna be Wakanda, but you gotta love your coming to America. I mean, she's a queen to be. But anyway, um. <laughs> we gonna need the the full length EP of you singing Queen to Be. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to anybody. I will not do that to anyone. <laughs> okay, let's go a little more difficult then. Storm or okay. Misty Night? Uh, can we say both? Sure. <laughs> um, can we just say both? However, y'all know I really want to play Storm. That's a thing. That's a thing. Ooh. Oh, you do? It has. Yes. I remember... Because I remember watching those Saturday morning cartoons. Remember when they had like gargoyles? <gasps> yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And remember that iteration of Storm? I thought she was everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've always wanted to play Storm. Wow. Yeah. I would not be mad at that at all. So You're so yeah. awesome. For- uh, we need to make some calls. Can I say how awesome you are for <laughs> mentioning gargoyles? Like that... Yes. That, right? That's a deep cut. That is my jam. That will forever be my show. <laughs> that show was amazing. Seriously, mm. I could go for a reboot of that. But they it would be so hard to top it. That's the only thing. Like it's so great that you know, it's like, um, ooh. Maybe just a re-release. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yep. All right, what's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Late. <laughs> no hesitation. <laughs> That came out immediately. I'm like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) No hesitation at all. Okay. Mm -mm. I I hate to do it to myself, but Star Wars (laughs) or Star Trek? Oh. I, oh. I, no, see, that's too hard, y'all. I love them both. (laughs) Why can't they all just get along? I, I mean... They all have something great to offer. I don't. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Um, mm. Star Star is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time anyone has ever said just star. <laughs> all the stars. I'm, I, I'm, I play a character on stars. I like all the stars. Okay. Star. star. Yes, that's it. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay, we're rounding out to the end. Comic books of hip hop. One gotta go. What do you choose? Oh my goodness, y'all are. This is painful. Why? 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 Um. <laughs> um. Oh, jeez. Um. 
<laughs> I'm speechless. I, I'm literally <laughs> speechless. I mean, I'm trying to imagine a world without either, and I don't think that's a world I want to live in, y'all. You are, you're, you. That's why we asked the question. <laughs> This goddess of love, you're like playing the, you know, the nice, safe, <laughs> loving role here on pretty much all these questions. <laughs> Could I say? I guess the, I guess the role is getting to me or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my all goodness! Right. Yeah. Okay, we'll this let you, we'll let you, we'll let you slide on that one. But okay, now yeah. this. In- yes. <laughs> Okay. In any medium, books, comic books, TV, film, whatever, what character's death hurt you the most? Oh, um, yeah, there's been some painful deaths. Oh, it, it hurt me when, um, I I feel like I want to answer for each medium. Um, but in the book, it, it really hurt me the first time that Jake died in the dark tower. Oh um, yeah! Oh <laughs> wow! All right, okay. Let me tell you, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I mean, m- like monster fan of that series. And Golden, <laughs> there are other worlds than these, is yes. one of the greatest lines ever, ever written, ever said, ever anything. <laughs> Wasn't it beautiful? Go then, there are other worlds in these. And I have I've said that a couple of times in life. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, oh. Oh, oh you know, wow. New, I am the biggest uh, Dark Tower fan you have ever met. Uh, What's your favorite book then? Oh, the drawing of the three. Because we get Ooh. to meet Deda Odetta. And mm-hmm. to me, that's one of the my favorite characters of all time. Um, I also mm. think it's a great like social commentary on, you know, how uh, the environment around can create, uh, again, divisiveness within and literally split a person mm-hmm. in two. Um, mm. But Drawing of the Three, my all-time favorite. I just read it over and over and over again. It's, uh, it's falling apart. My copy is falling apart. Wow. The What's opening of that one. Oh, um... It might be the first one, but then drawing it a three to opening with the lobstrosities is just that yeah. like that's so, that's like it's just so I never would have imagined it, and it's like you know it just changes everything. And then, but I really got to go with um, I'm not even sure the name. The third one with Blaine the Train because that shit oh. fucked me up. Like, Wait, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was creepy. Oh, that was horrible. But I never seen that like punished its main character so much, especially yes. like one finger. I'm like, oh, well, the, lobstro- the obstrosities are coming at him, but they can't eat his fingers because he's, you know, the gunfighter. <laughs> yeah. and, and then they do, and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh no. He- yeah, I, I mean, just thank you for that because, like, like I said, oh. that gold in there, other worlds than these, is one of my. Oh. It's in my top ten lines ever. That oh. wow. All right, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Wow, any superpower? Um, y'all are gonna laugh. The ability to get people to walk in in other shoes. So. Uh, so that people, mm-hmm. yeah, 
literally uh, walk in another's shoes so that people would be able to experience what another person is going through. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're probably thinking of a couple of the same people, so I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> a majority of DC right now, I'd say. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Yeah. That's oh, about man. all I'm going to say on that. Okay. Well, you have survived a brat segment. I mean, you've destroyed it like you destroyed, you know, the interview segment. Please let the internets and the fan bros know where they can find you at. All right. Well, on Instagram, you can find me at Yetide, Y-E-T-I-D-E. On Facebook, Yetide Badaki. On Twitter, at Yetide Badaki. And now on YouTube, I've been sharing a couple of thoughts and ideas. Um, You can find, you actually can find it in the link uh, of my bio in Twitter. So you can find my YouTube page. Thank you so much for joining us here. I mean, this has been amazing. And we'll be right back, fan bros. But, you know, we got to take a quick break. And I want y'all to listen to this little excerpt right here we have from the brother Combat Jack and his Mogul series. If you haven't heard it, it's based on the life and death of Chris Lighty. And it is absolutely phenomenal. It's definitely one of the best things I've listened to. You can find it now. It's on iTunes, on SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Spotify, shout out to them. But definitely listen to this, and we'll be right back with more fan bros. Whoever the fuck you name on the planet Earth was at that funeral. Big Lauren Hill, Mary, whoever on Earth. And I remember when I walked in there, like, people started crying, hugging me and shit, like, because they knew my relationship with them. Well, of course, Ella was there, and, um... Nick Cannon. Chris used to manage Nick. 50 was there. Puffy was there. So many people. My brother was well-loved. So many people. All these people were gathered at the Frank E. Campbell Funeral Chapel in Manhattan. That's the same place where funerals for stars like Aaliyah, Luther Vandross, and the Notorious B.I.G. were held. If you were on the street outside that day, you might have thought this was a red carpet event. Celebrities stepping out of SUVs with blacked-out windows. Paparazzi were there, too looking for a spot to take the perfect shot. Bodyguards did their best to hold them back. But inside, there was no award show, no new album dropping, just a casket holding the body of a man named Chris Lighty, who just a few days earlier had shocked the world. The medical examiner has ruled the death of hip-hop mogul Chris Lighty is a suicide. Lighty was found with a gunshot wound to the head at his Bronx home on Thursday. Police say they found a black handgun at the scene, but no note. The 44-year-old worked with some of rap and R&B's biggest stars, including New York acts LL Cool J, Mariah Carey, Sean Diddy Combs, and 50 Cent. Chris also worked with Busta Rhymes, Missy Elliott, Foxy Brown, Q-Tip. He signed some of the biggest endorsement deals in the history of hip-hop. This guy was a king and a kingmaker, which is why no one saw this coming. Powerful black men like Chris Lighty do not shoot themselves. It makes no sense. Not when he fought and thought his way out of the hood. Not when he beat the odds and didn't end up in jail. And certainly not when he achieved so much, contributed so much to the culture, and made so much damn money along the way. From Gimlet Media and the Loudspeakers Network, I'm Reggie Osei. And this is Mogul, the life and death of Chris Lighty. 
interview right there Woo. hot fire straight off the presses i mean tatiana like mm. yo yo son son if you're not subscribed <laughs> to fan bros at this point i'm coming to your house and we gonna have some words because there's no reason there's no reason mm. we are constantly bringing you quality with a capital t and i just hope that y'all really recognize that that we're doing this for all nerds is so serious right now so so serious so like she said make sure you're subscribed itunes soundcloud all that good stuff youtube everywhere you can find us just google fan bro show and whatever comes up hit subscribe on that you know because like she said we do this for all the nerds and it's, that means it's time for the guac is extra and what do we have up first tatiana the first is from IG from Ban Dukes. I wanted to say Baba Duke, but Ban Dukes. Ban Dukes writes, "What franchise, movie, comic, anime, video games, whatever, have y'all spent the most money on outside of the actual media, like collectibles?" Mm, outside of the actual media? Hmm. For you it has um, to be Star Wars easily. No, nah, because I didn't spend a lot of money on that. That was more other people spent, like parents spent that money on me. Oh, you know, so you just I, have yeah. a lot of Star Wars stuff because other people give it to you. Yeah, as a kid. Like, I didn't buy, I don't buy that much Star Wars stuff right now. So, no. You know, like, mm, no. Nah. And so I guess comic books don't count. No, so, uh, yeah, if it's outside of the medium. Like, if, okay. it, if it started as a movie and got a comic book, then the comic book would count. Mm, but, okay, no, that still wouldn't count for a lot of stuff. Yeah. What about you? Um, at one point in time, well, I don't know because it's still kind of in the same medium. I would say anything related to the Matrix. So, like, besides just like actually watching the movie a million times, I had like the quadruple box set with all of the extras plus Animatrix plus getting outfits plus like I was I was doing the most. Um, but I don't know, like, the thing is, I spend a lot of money just collectively on different trinkets here and there. Like, if I, if you look at my room right now, where, um, I have, like, pop vinyl figures from different fandoms, like, you know, I have X-Men and I have Star Wars, and then I have Star Wars figurines, but then I have some Star Trek stuff, I have some stuff from video games, um, I got Mr. Robot stuff lying around, Big Hero 6, like... I don't I can't say I have just one situation where I just spent a lot of money specifically on one one thing. Not, at least not anymore. My stuff is all over the place right now. Yeah, definitely not anymore. I would say I also have, like you said, I got a bunch of pop figures, but I have mad Black Panthers and mad Storms. I also got a bunch of Galactus just because I think Galactus is one of the greatest characters of all time. So, same thing, but, yeah, I can't say. I'd also, I mean, I got an Infinity Gauntlet. That's probably the most expensive thing that I have that's, like, you know, outside of the fandom. Right, because you got that custom made, right? Damn sure did. (laughs) Hot fire. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. I, I just, you know, I've never been too like upset. Like, I when I say I get obsessive, I have different things, different pieces from different franchises but there's really not one just one specific franchise where it's just like i have the pen and the yeah. shoes and the yeah. underwear and the glass like i don't ha- i don't do it like that because nah. half that shit i think is corny so <laughs> i usually will pick a certain specific item or items one or two that to me reflect upon that fandom but are also cool yep like my so. t-shirt game my t-shirt game is definitely all kind of right everything but my t-shirt is definitely something that i've spent a lot of money on and usually it's fandom related so right all right what up? yeah i was gonna say the most consistent thing i spent money on was uh my loot crate and that has oh, again everything there you go, <laughs> go. lootcrate.com slash fan bros use the code fan bros get your discount on anything on the site and Yes, that is true because my Loot Crate game, like I said, the sock game, shit, like I got just socks for days. So make sure you do that. But what do we have up next? Next is from Nerd Emperor. They write, well, how do you guys feel about Gal Gadot getting financially screwed over for her role in Wonder Woman? Um, I'm of two minds of this. One, you know, Women consistently throughout every industry get paid less than men, especially in Hollywood. It's huge. And the second part of that is who knows what Gal Gadot could negotiate when she first signed for Wonder Woman. You know, like that's a huge thing. It's just like I doubt Ray or Finn got paid that much, you know, comparatively right. to like well, uh, Harrison Ford. You know? uh, yes. And, and they had yeah. put that out. Like last year, they had actually last year, maybe the year before, they actually were talking about that. How Ray, as a, a comp- pretty much a newcomer with with no real, yeah, um, no real major projects to her name, like you know, they could honestly, if they say, I, I'm not gonna go as far as saying a dollar, but like if they yeah. were just, <laughs> but if they was paying me just a few thousand compared to millions, and they were like, yo, you in a Star Wars movie, and me, your and you're a main, me, that alone is worth it. Yes, like, because you now part of a legacy that spans beyond it. But that's something else we're talking about in terms of Gal Gadot. They did say that she made three hundred thousand dollars for her role, but she also had signed onto a multi-picture role, a uh, picture deal. Whereas any time any movies that she shows up as that character, she gets like three hundred thousand dollars and some other stuff. I don't know if she she has anything. Um, Yatide had mentioned. It. I don't know if she's getting anything on the back end. I don't know if she's getting merchandise or anything like that. that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Increase, like you know, if it's not increasing by Justice League, there's a huge problem there. Like, call them lawyers. But the thing is, the lawyers may come in and and try to renegotiate. But depending on the terms of her contract, it 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 may have been built in that she can't renegotiate until a certain point in time. But but you never know. But but on top of that, you also have a situation that um the the article that that we're talking about where. Henry Cavill, he played Superman. He got and and, and Man of Steel, He got fourteen million for his role, and he's not that? a he's not a new actor per se. Like, wasn't he also Jesus? Um, yeah. And he's done like TV and stuff like that. But as far as that particular huge no, situation, that's no, that's a that's a different guy who played Jesus. Was like, it? He couldn't have got that bulk. That wasn't Mel Why didn't Jesus get that bulk? Then I mean, you don't no. think you don't think Jesus got the got the juice? Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't do CrossFit. <laughs> like, CrossFit Jesus. Shouts to Seth Rollins, yo. 
Oh, man. Anyway, yeah, I, I feel you. I mean, he definitely did not deserve $13 million for that. Like, wow. No. So I'm looking I'm looking at his um his 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 videography and yeah i don't i don't think he was jesus but he um he was on the tudors he was in the immortals um he was obviously some stuff after um oh he was in hellraiser yeah a bunch of nothing he's he probably a nobody in hellraiser he was like, in hellraiser on. yeah come on he probably got murked so right. yeah i mean it's definitely just the fact that women you know, we've talked about this many a time on many a show. There's a huge problem, as there is in every industry. That is just, you know, the nature of the system. So it's like, I mean, she really shouldn't have signed that deal, though. I mean, but at the same time, it's like somebody's like, you're going to play Wonder Woman in multiple movies. Like, there's no, you know, there's no chance for killing yeah. off Wonder Woman anytime soon. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I got to confuse with Jim Caviezel. Jim yes, was Jesus. Yes, yes. I knew. Jesus I, can I, I do knew. CrossFit, though. Hey, I'm not mad at Jesus. Do that CrossFit, bro. <laughs> um, all right. Also tonight, we have from Tito Q85. He says, when Black Panther blows the roof off the box office, do you think we will get more superhero movies centering black folks, catering to them? Also, could this mean we get more movies like this for people of color in general? Not necessarily. Highly doubtful. Uh, the only reason why, because it's happened already. There's mm-hmm. been countless examples of of whether you want to say black black led movies or movies centered around black people just about people in general there's been countless movies like that that have done that have been critically critically acclaimed tvs uh uh, uh for uh films like like that has happened many times over but it's still like little to none progress Here's the most telling example. Wonder Woman made more money than any other DC film ever. And have you heard them announcing a Power Girl movie? I think they did put forward. No, that wasn't even them. I mean, they're talking. They've already said that they got Birds of Prey coming and a few other joints. But it's like they should have just turned around and been like, yo, we got this coming. We got this coming. We got all kind of multicultural coming, you know, like, but they didn't. Well, I'm I'm, and also I'm going to just to. I'm actually going to move away from what you said, Ben, that not at all, because it, it is happening. It's just very slow because yes. right now we're in that what everyone likes to call this kind of this renaissance period where you do see tons of black led shows all seemingly coming out all at the same time. Yep. TV shows, you do see the movies, you do see the directors coming up and doing really big features. Like obviously yep. we just mentioned Black Panther. You have Ava doing uh, a wrinkle in time. Yep. So this so this stuff is happening. There's more people coming up in the back end, the indie people that you don't even know about yet that are, are already working through everything. It's just that when it comes to a mainstream understanding, it's still very slow progress. Mm-hmm. You have um our favorite who just did the shots fired. She's now doing um Silver Sable and Black Cat, which I also still cannot get over. And then, I mean, that's so funny because speaking of Black Panther, you know, I was watching that video with the haters where the dude was talking about how, you know, he was happy that Ava turned it down. You know, like she did some great deed by turning down Black Panther, but she got a wrinkle in effing time. Right. One of the biggest novels of all time, like, and bid money to do it, a bid production. 
So come on, like sh- winning on both counts, you know? Like, oh, they we were got- trying to say like, oh, good thing she she turned it down. Like, yeah, they like, like no, 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 they were trying to say good thing she turned it down because she's representing blackness by turning it down because Black Panther is some anti-black thing. You know, we got to remember this. Oh, God. oh, you mean those people? They? Yeah. You're talking about they? Okay. They? Them? Them over there? Them over yeah. there? Yeah. Got it. Yeah, them over there. You know. The tots. <laughs> Yeah, the children the of the internet. Yes. yes, there we go. The tots. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be the new code word, y'all. Anytime these fools and these clowns are showing up, say you're such a freaking tot. Yeah. A whole tot. Oh, no. <laughs> tot. I like it. Think about I like it. it. I like All right. it. As always, send in your questions through contact at fanbros.com. We take any and all geekly asked questions. You can ask us anything. It doesn't have to relate to any geek stuff, any life advice you need, whatever. We're here to solve your problems. That's what we do on Fanbros Show. We spread love. Right now, we're going to spread a little more love with some. Tech Talk with Tatiana. And this week in tech news, there are some really interesting things happening. Um, mainly starting with Uber, your favorite ride share, ride hailing car service that has all of the (laughs) problems in the world. It was announced literally like overnight. It was like three o'clock in the morning and I was up when I saw the news. Their CEO founder, Travis Kalanick has actually resigned and he was, he, he didn't go willingly per se. Um, recently his mom had passed away and his dad, it was like, like, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't think his dad passed. I think his, his dad was still critically, uh, injured in the hospital, but they got in an accident. And because of that situation, he has been away from the company, um, on top of every bad thing that's been going on with Uber, just in terms of all of the bad press they've been receiving, all of the things, all of the fiascos that have happened for the last year. And it just kept getting worse. So basically being more or less pressured by the investors and the, and the board, they were just like, nah, bro, you got to go because you're, you're part of the problem. Kalanick is notorious for just being an asshole, point blank period. He, he's notorious for being a really horrible kind of leader, a really horrible kind of CEO. And you, pro- you guys, if you haven't seen it before, there's, there's um, a few months back, there was a video released where he was really nasty to an Uber driver themselves like he was in an uh, actual uber with the driver and the driver seeing that opportunity he didn't do it in a rude way he just talked to travis like you know what are you what are you going to do about the fact that as drivers we don't get paid very well and all this other stuff and travis like went off on him so point being travis is he is essentially being seen as being very harmful and dangerous to the brand. And right now, Uber is in a massive rebranding situation. I told you guys about this a couple episodes back. Definitely listen to those episodes to get the deets. But Uber is trying to move forward, literally and figuratively. And whatever they got to do to get the weeds out of the out of the flower, they're going to do it. And And he seems to be one of them. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter because Travis got a huge check already, you know, due to super paid. So it's like yeah. him retiring doesn't change anything. Uber is still going to be a resigning company. Yeah, re- resigning. So he, he'll, he'll no longer, and to your point, yes, he's going to still get money. He'll no longer be CEO, but he's still on the board. He's still going to have his whatever millions of dollars worth of shares. 
he's still gonna get paid. It is what it is. Um, And like I said, he was already on an indefinite leave of absence and I just knew this was the next step. Also in tech news, I want to mention the fact that Amazon acquired Whole Foods uh, for almost what, $14 billion, billion with a B, 13.7 billion to be exact. That is huge, Ben. I mean, do you do you do you have well? Do you have the money to shop at Whole Foods? <laughs> do you have no. a whole paycheck to shop at uh, Whole Foods? Yeah, yeah, I shop at Whole Foods. You know, a little bit. A little uh, bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's going to be owned by Amazon, and that could mean a variety of things. Mainly on the surface, that now Amazon has this huge distribution network that is brick and mortar, meaning it's not just online based. They have physical locations where they could potentially not just sell groceries and shit like that, but they can also push other products. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I'll probably talk a little bit more about that online, but I just wanted to make sure you guys were well aware of this. Whole Foods is now an Amazon brand or will be in a few. What that really is, is the fact that they were already testing out that Amazon store. So basically, yes. All stores will be Amazon stores. Another point. Thank you very much, man. I mean, <laughs> all your bases are mine. What was the line? That's, <laughs> all your bases belong to us. Yeah. All your base are belong to us. But yeah, that, that tells me you you have been listening to tech news or tech talk with Tatiana because of course. I've mentioned that the, the Amazon Go stores, the as you said, the the, the, the semi-automated grocery stores uh, where you essentially could walk in, pick up what you want and walk out and you're not talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's just a surface, really. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into this purchase, even beyond. It's not they're really not doing this to sell groceries, y'all. It's it's so oh, much more. Yeah, it, it's so much more. Um, and then finally, Amazon. Here we go again. Amazon is Skynet. They are going to be premiering Amazon Prime wardrobe where you can try on clothes before buying them. This is not new. This has actually been done by a lot of different startups. There's one called like Stitch Fix and there's some others where you have basically a a whole menu of clothes that you can pick from and maybe up to 10 items or whatever the number is. They actually send it in a box to your house. You have typically a week to try on everything, see what you like. Whatever you don't like, you put it back in the box and ship back to them, whatever you do like, you keep, and then your account is charged for it. So this wow. is definitely, again, it's not new, but but being that it's Amazon is trying to jump in this game, that's massive. Particularly just because of you just talking about scale at this point. That's one place that Amazon has also been trying to jump into, the fashion place. So you have Amazon that's trying to basically control food distribution, distrib- distribution, uh, fashion, Technology, obviously, shipping in general, just 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 shipping shit all over the world. This this place is Skynet. This is Skynet. Yeah, easily. And shout outs to the Chico Leo, because I know everybody misses him. But this is something he would always be speaking on is the fact that especially with our current presidential situation where this idiot is out here talking about coal. You know, and cold <laughs> jobs disappearing. When the real jobs that are disappearing are the shipping, are the retail, and all of this is fueled by this Amazon Steinet type situation where you're going to have stores where you won't have any clerks right. and you're going to have trucks where you won't have any drivers. So it's like. Right. And, I'm, and it's like. I'm personally not particularly mad about it, but that's because I'm personally not affected. What about the millions of people that this does affect? And then yes. how do, how not only do they shift, but what are this, what's the skill involved to make that shift? What is the, the money uh, investment involved to make that shift? If there are, say, in 15 years, there are no more truck driver jobs, 
what is the next thing they could do? Could they program the trucks? Okay, but then what has to go into that? What is the type of education and the type of money? Like, what are the types of things that has to go into it? And do, a lot of people don't have that access. So what happens to them? What happens to that, that economic class? The only real solution is a universal basic income. But because we live in this capitalist society, we have, you know, people on the top who have a problem with that. And people, you know, are still sitting down here arguing about why we should have more representation. So, you know, we got bigger issues to deal with in this country than that other nonsense. So you should be listening to Tet Talk with Tatiana all the time. Make sure you get up on it because, you know, we dropping jewels for you in every segment, every through the show. It's just jewels, 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 jewels. And there's another segment coming up that I love. I do, too, because it's now time for Comics I Copped. And this week in Comics I Copped, where I talk about all the comics that dropped this week and everything I've been reading in general. Shout out to everybody using that hashtag Comics I Copped on Instagram, Twitter, wherever, so I can see what you've been copping. Mad stuff out that I have not read, y'all. I got to catch up on a lot of stuff like Black Monday Murders. LYC has been shouting it out. L. Lucero has been shouting it out. Both of them say it is one of the best books they've ever read. Jonathan Hickman writes it, and he's one of my favorite authors. He did the amazing Avengers run and a bunch of other just super dope stuff. And Black Monday Murders, people are just saying it's really dope. And the latest Mm -hmm. issue dropped today, so definitely check that out. Uh, Speaking of Avengers, you know, back to the Marvel Universe right now. Secret Empire keeps going on and on. And the latest issue of Captain America, Steve Rogers, dropped where, you know, I mean, Steve Rogers, this Hydra, uh, you know, whatever, you know, version of Steve Rogers is such a dick. Like, I have to say, it's actually hilarious how much of an asshole this dude is. You know, <laughs> like, it just, it's like almost as bad as when Cap was on crack, you know, because he was such an asshole then, too. But in this issue, you know, we see Black Panther, and I love it because, as usual, Black Panther shining. You know, he talks about how Steve keeps trying to invade Wakanda three different times, and three different times his people have been slaughtered trying to roll up in there. So, Hmm. you know, that's one bright spot in this otherwise, you know, pretty much hot mess of Secret Empire so far. Ultimates 2, number 8, dropped by Al Ewing, you know, which features my homegirl, my heart, America Chavez. You know, I did a dope thing on Twitter today, at DJ Ben Ami. You can check that out about that. But Ultimates is a very dope comic from Marvel. Features all their big characters. And this issue features Ego, the living planet, who a lot of people now know from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. In a big battle with Galactus. Very dope story. Ultimates, definitely something you should be checking out. Features a multicultural team of heroes fighting against Marvel's biggest and baddest like cosmic menaces i love that book Mm -hmm. so much and also out this week Mm -hmm. america issue number four which also features miss america chavez you should definitely be reading that you know one of my favorite characters a latinx um, well latina woman who is from another dimension and just like one of the dopest characters to me that marvel has introduced in a long time and i'm so happy that she finally has her own book also nick fury number three is out you know, I can't say enough about that. Also ill, you know, just once again, just Marvel actually, you know, I can't lie. Marvel is like, it's like their main stuff it might be a hot mess, but they have a lot of good stuff on the side. Luke Cage number two dropped. Hmm. And finally, Batman number 25, which kicks off the war of jokes and riddles 
which is like a prequel in the current Batman run where Batman is telling his story to Catwoman because, you know, they're about to get married. And he's like, I have to tell you what I did in the War of Jokes and Riddles before we get married. And the War of Jokes and Riddles is a war between the Joker and the Riddler. Yo. Yeah. That is too much. All right. And you know, Tatiana, it's written by Tom King, the great. So. (gasps) Oh, my God. I, I know what I'm picking up. Yeah, and you have to pick up, this is issue 25, so, you know, there's, like, four trades out so far, all written by Tom King, and he's been pretty much just, I think, building up to this moment, because, like, this issue feels like, you know, that Tom, I mean, the whole series has been great, but this is, like, where you're like, oh, okay, this is what you, you know, this is about to be your masterpiece. Like, this war of jokes and riddles might be, you know, go up in the in the great Batman stories ever told, so... If you haven't been reading Batman, go check out the trades. They're all by Tom King. He's been writing it. You know, it's up to issue 25. And pretty much anything that dude has written is worth a buy. Omega Men, Vision, uh, Sheriff of Babylon. You know, anything that I've read by him is worth, you know, a cop. So, comments like cop. Definitely check those out. Like I said, Nick Fury, America, Ultimates. You know, Illo, I mean, talking about Black Monday murders, the latest issue of Birthright is out, one of my favorite books. I only read it in trade, though, so I'm a bit behind. And this is also issue 25. So it's a bunch of books that are reaching bid points right now. So definitely check them out. But the real pick of the week by me is Batman 25 by Tom King. Like, Mm. ooh, and that art, damn, I don't even got the artist's name right now, but fire. I'll give him a shout next week. So that's it for comics I copped. But in some comic book related news, yo, that is kind of crazy. Watchmen is returning. HBO is looking for something to praise Game of Thrones, boy. Like they right. are looking, looking, and looking, so, looking. And so they're bringing Watchmen by Damon Lindelof. You know, everybody knows the man lost. I mean, bunch of other joints, mad joints, and now he's doing Watchmen for HBO. Like, is this to be a multi-season thing? Have they said anything, or is it just to be, like, one season, you know, for the whole series? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Like, also, like, on a personal level, I've... I've only really known Watchmen from that one movie, and the movie was very, very long for me, so I don't have the best impression yet. Yes, I know in the books it's completely different, but, like, I don't have... I'm not excited about it. I'm just like, okay. Okay, well, see, there's no official details, so there's nothing about whether or not it'll be more than one, you know, season, any of that. I'm sure it depends if it makes money. But Watchmen, like, when it came out, was such a monumental comic. And, like, if you don't know the story of Watchmen, it's still worth reading, like, especially if you've never seen the movie, because... There's a bit twist in it that it's just one of the best ever done in comics. And if you've never read it, it's still, you know, a great read. It's a beautiful art and just one of the best written comics. But it also influenced a lot of stuff. So, you know, you've seen a lot of that stuff done now. So uh, I'm not really that hype about this either. I think the comic is still worth reading. But, you know, when this comes on, I'll watch it. But it's the Watchmen, you know, you who watches the Watchmen. But it's not... (laughs) It ain't that serious to me, like it, you know, I, I'm, yeah. it just don't sound exciting to me. And again, I could, I'm, I'm I understand I'm biased because I just didn't have a good time during the film. But I, I not excited, not into it. But like you said, they, they, they digging, they yeah. are digging, digging. I actually like the movie. It's not like my favorite comic book movie, but it does a pretty good job of doing the book. And the book is like really impossible to do because there's 
a lot of stuff that just only works in comics. The way it's done, like the way the panels flip into this and that, the way the images, you know, foretell other things. It's it's a very complex comic book. And so it's something that, you know, you have to really read and get into to understand. And I don't know. We'll see what they do with the show. But, yeah, not that hype. Uh, and, oh, this hurts. Um, Yeah, I'm sure it hurts them more than it hurts me. But uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller... The Lego Movie dudes have been fired. You know, fired. What the fire? Why fired? Or did they drop? Either, well, I mean, either way, that's not good. But why? I mean, the official word is that they dropped out. The unofficial word is that they were fired by Kathleen Kennedy because she seems to have Kathleen Kennedy is the producer on all the Star Wars everything. You know, she's the big dog uh-huh. in the house. She was given the keys by George Lucas, and. The unofficial word is that she was not feeling their directing style, you know, the, what the way um, about to approach the movie, the way they were handling the cast and the crew. They She just was not feeling that. And it was that like some people on the set were some of the actors, some of the crew were and some weren't. So, it you know, started so, somewhere in with with the with um, Chris with the, and yeah. Phil. No, they um, weren't feeling it. And some were, you know, and so it became kind oh, of a okay. battle. And so and with Kathleen, you know, being the big dog. You know, she was like, oh, well, you got to go. So the latest rumor that I've heard is that Ron Howard is now the top what? choice. <laughs> yeah. What? How do you go from A to Z like that? Oh, wow. Wow. Hey, Ron <laughs> Howard's done some great movies. He did Bat Draft. I mean, no, like, I didn't say he didn't do bad movies. Ago. I just said, yeah. how did you go from A to Z like that? They're very dis- different. Yeah, I don't know. that. That's I think, I mean, but that really, you know, shows you something. They want a director. But that's weird because Ron is also such a established director that he doesn't have to do what anybody says. But he might, you know, really just want to do Star Wars, so that might be it. But I was going to say, want- having it some Star Wars, it's just kind of like he... I don't want to say you do what you're told because obviously that didn't happen, but if you've never had that opportunity before and now you do, regardless if you're established or you're iconic or whatever, like that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it definitely is. But, you know, it's something that he probably just, you know, really would love to do. But it's obvious that they want somebody they can control. And Ron, you know, really isn't somebody. Because Ron at one point was working on the Dark Tower. Like, that was his thing. He was he was like, I think he might even still be executive producing it. Like, he was definitely at one point had the rights for it. So Ron was really working hard on that for a while. So he right. can do what he wants. Right. Okay, so really with this particular story about about Phil Lord and Chris Miller, it wasn't anything dubious. It was really because there was a culture clash. Yeah, it was okay. a culture clash in the way that they, you know, directed the film, like their styles just, you know, I mean, right. give me the Lego movie though. It's like you can't really argue with success either. Right. So, well, yeah. their style works for Legos, maybe not so much for people. Hey, all righty then. So, yeah. <laughs> That no, wasn't a, that wasn't a read or a shade. Like I was just uh, maybe that's just the case. No, it might just be the case. I fully understand. I wasn't you know taking it as read or shade either. You know, it's just that's the way the cookie crumbles, <laughs> my G. You know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, anything else before we get out of here tonight, Tatiana? Well, we mentioned it earlier. Loot Crate still popping. Loot Crate always popping. Hit up lootcrate.com slash fanbros and use the code fanbros to get your discount on your Loot Crate subscription. 
Um, you get to spend just a little bit of money to get a lot in geek culture. They have clothing, clothing for yourself, clothing for your dog. If you want to dad out your dog, they have socks. Like Ben Amin goes nuts on the socks. Like, like there's, a, they're, they're, he, he, he just goes bananas on the socks. I'm just going to name all the, um, all the foods you can go <laughs> on, but <laughs> I go apple on them socks, go apple on them. He goes ham on them. But um, yeah, so make sure you definitely hitting up Loot Crate, com slash Fanbros. Use the code Fanbros. As we said at the top of the show, and we said in many other shows, make sure that you're doing several things for us. Make sure you're subscribing. If you've already subscribed on SoundCloud, go subscribe on iTunes. If you're already on there, go subscribe on Google Play Music. Wherever you want, you listen to us or may potentially listen to us or don't even listen to us. Just subscribe. We just want your name on there as a subscriber. Make sure you're also leaving comments. Make sure you're also leaving feedback in terms of giving reviews. We read those and Apple and the rest of them read those. Those reviews is what helps these 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 companies know that we have a listenership that really loves what we're doing, that take the time to listen to our work and want more from us. So definitely do that. And always, always, always tell everybody this is the one time I'm ever going to say this at us, at us all the damn time. If someone says anything remotely nerd related, you go, Hey, by the way, I know fan bros talks about that. Just do it. Believe me. It works. Yeah. I don't know what else to say after that. Jesus does CrossFit.